0: Hi, I'm Philip Anthony Albertelli, and this is The Week in Doubt, a podcast for atheists, agnostics, and whoever, and this is episode 126. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com slash doubt Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. So you may have noticed that last week I skipped the shoutouts. I may do the same this week, but I'll try to catch up next week. I'm not sure if you guys find the shoutouts tedious or not. I find that by skipping them sometimes, it kind of speeds up the pace of the show. But at the same time, I don't want to get rid of them completely because I really appreciate all the support, and I love when listeners get in touch, and I want to give credit where credit is due. So maybe what I'll do is I'll start doing shoutouts like every other episode or something like that. I also want to give you a heads up that since it's October, and I love Halloween, that in conjunction with the release of the regular weekly episodes, I may also be re-releasing some past episodes that have to do with the uh, supernatural or that are in keeping with the, uh, the tone or mood of the holiday. So first up, in conjunction with this episode that you're listening to now, I may also re-release the episode on demonic possession. And then next week, I may try to do a special episode on the subject of hell houses. What the hell is a hell house? Um, Well, they're basically the even creepier Christian version of the traditional haunted house. And the intent, I suppose, is to try to scare kids into being good little Christians. Uh, Instead of trying to scare you with cliches like plastic skeletons and guys in hockey masks, they instead try to scare you by showing you the quote-unquote evils of things like gay marriage and abortion. But instead of getting further into that right now, I'll save it for next week. And now I'll jump right into this week's episode. And I know some of you guys like when I include audio clips because it kind of breaks up the monotony and you don't just have to listen to my voice droning on for like 45 minutes. So I have a couple of interesting clips this week. And first up is a recent commercial that Ron Reagan, the son of former President Ronald Reagan, recorded for the Freedom From Religion Foundation. And I've always found the dynamic between Ronald Reagan and his two sons to be very interesting. Ronald Reagan, of course, is this conservative icon. Uh, His son, uh, Ron Reagan, looks a lot like his dad. He's his biological son. But uh, Ron Reagan, uh, unlike his father, is a liberal slash progressive. He's also an outspoken atheist. And it's funny, he has a brother, Michael Ragan, who is a conservative radio talk show host and who was adopted. And the two brothers don't seem to get along all that well. I don't know what things are like behind the scenes. Hopefully they get along and uh, there's this kind of underlying familial love uh, beneath the uh, the partisan political bickering, but uh, I'm not sure. But the juxtaposition is pretty wild. Although uh, Ron looks a lot like his dad. Uh, Like I said, he actually leans hard to the left and the adopted brother leans hard to the right and holds a worldview that's probably more in keeping with uh, Ronald Reagan's traditional conservative views. But the ad in question has found its way into the news. Obviously, the subject of atheism in general is controversial, and it can be a a hot-button topic, but there's a kind of additional added layer of controversy, because I I think the commercial was originally intended to be aired on CBS uh, during 60 Minutes, but CBS rejected the ad, and uh, not just for 60 Minutes, but for any of their programming but the ad was aired on both the uh, Daily Show and the Colbert Report. Before I play the ad, I'll read a brief little article. In fairness, uh, I believe this article is directly from the Freedom from Religion Foundation. The Freedom from Religion Foundation's ad featuring Ron Reagan describing himself as an unabashed atheist has been rejected for airing by CBS, not only by 60 Minutes, the desired placement, but for any CBS TV show. The ad aired last May on both The Daily Show and The Colbert Report on Comedy Central. A CBS agent indicated that the ad was rejected for words and tone. The celebrity endorsement features the son of President Ronald Reagan, self-described as a lifelong atheist, plugging FFRF. Okay, so uh, enough suspense. I'll actually play the ad now. Hi, I'm Ron Reagan, an unabashed atheist, and I'm alarmed by the intrusions of religion into our secular government.
1: That's why I'm asking you to support the Freedom From Religion Foundation, the nation's largest and most effective association of atheists and agnostics, working
0: to keep state and church separate, just like our founding fathers intended. Please support the Freedom From Religion Foundation. Ron Reagan, lifelong atheist, not afraid of burning in hell. Okay, there you have it. Not afraid of burning in hell. Um, and in the past, I've sometimes criticized the Freedom From Religion Foundation uh, infamously. Some of my more staunch atheist uh, listeners will recall on a number of occasions that I talked about how I find atheist billboards posted during the holidays and bad taste. Uh, or I've described them as being kind of like the equivalent of internet trolling, you know, the signs that say there is no God, so be good for goodness sake at Christmas. And I've caught a little bit of flack uh, from some listeners for my criticism of uh, such things. But I think trying to protect the separation of church and state is extremely important, and I'm glad there's an organization like FFRF acting as a watchdog group on this issue. And on the one hand, you might say, well, separation of church and state, it's a basic American principle. Of course, we don't have to worry. But then if, but if there's any of you out there who are political news junkies like me, think of all the stories, usually uh, involving right-wing politicians who kind of thump the Bible for the sake of their constituents or who support legislation that threatens to chip away at the separation of church and state. And I'm thinking in recent memory, things like the Hobby Lobby case, or the abortion clinic uh, buffer zones, etc. But it's interesting. I, I don't know if CBS rejected the commercial specifically because it was an atheist commercial, or because maybe I don't I don't watch much CBS, so I I couldn't speak uh, firsthand. I don't know if they have some kind of policy, maybe against kind of controversial commercials in general, or commercials that have to do with divisive topics like religion. Uh, if that was the case, if they have some kind of blanket policy about commercials that have to do with religion, then I could I could kind of understand that. That's their prerogative. But if the on the other hand, if they were willing to air religious commercials, but they rejected this one specifically because it's from an atheist group, then obviously I think that would be uh, unfair. And I don't want to go off on a whole tangent about the um, prejudice attitude towards uh, atheists and agnostics in this country. i I've talked a lot on the show about how. I think the word atheist kind of awakens this visceral reaction in people. It's a word that's uh, been demonized. And I've joked about how if you got rid of the label atheist and simply said, I think religions are, you know, they seem to be... man-made, and, you know, there's these contradictions in the Bible, or maybe there's an afterlife, but I don't really see any definitive proof of it. You know, if you just explained your reason-based, uh, worldview, people would probably be much more accepting, but people hear the word atheist, and it automatically kind of, uh, Puts them off for some reason, probably just because it's been demonized for so long. And a couple times on the show, uh, I've talked about uh, that anecdote that Richard Dawkins sometimes mentions where um, SNL alum uh, Julia Sweeney jokes about how she told her mother she was an atheist and her mother said something like, I don't care if you don't believe in God, but an atheist Uh, And I think there's a lot of truth, uh, a lot of sad truth in that anecdote. I think surprisingly, people can understand why you might have some reason-based reservations about the validity of religion and its supernatural claims. But there's something about that uh, word atheist. And in a way, I think it's fitting that uh, Richard Dawkins... uh, uses that kind of Scarlet A for, uh, to stand for atheism, as opposed to adultery, as in uh, Hawthorne's uh, The Scarlet Letter. And thank uh, goodness I didn't say Crimson Letter this time. Like I said, even though uh, born and raised in New England and was forced to read The Scarlet Letter in school, for some reason a few episodes back I called it The Crimson Letter. Some sort of strange brain glitch, I suppose. It is funny, though, you know, if you ask people on the right, they'd say that it's Christianity that's being persecuted and secularism is on the rise. And they'll talk about the Hollywood elites and their lack of religion and this and that or whatever. Um, and there probably is a lot of truth to the, to the fact that I think that as science continues to advance um, religious belief, especially biblical literalism, kind of continues to recede. It's almost like uh, the floor shrinking underneath someone's feet because it gets harder and harder to, uh, to support a literal interpretation of biblical text or to continue to embrace some of the uh, irrational or supernatural claims of religion as we keep learning more and more about the cosmos and the natural world. And I think without question, young people millennials are, uh, in general, as as a group or demographic, far less religious than past generations. It probably explains why, uh, why in general, they have far less hang-ups about uh, things like gay marriage. I've mentioned on the show before how I personally put morality into two different columns or categories, kind of. I think there's a kind of universal morality. There's things that people that decent human beings all over the world would pretty much agree with you shouldn't rape uh you shouldn't kill you shouldn't steal and of course human beings all over the world do engage in those behaviors and sometimes uh people will justify killing you know uh, in times of war and things like that but generally i think whether it was a in a supermarket in canada or if it was in some uh village uh, somewhere uh, tucked away in, a, in a, um, a rainforest or something, if a person walked up to another human being and struck them for no reason, killed them for no reason, um, people would be appalled. You know, there's this kind of universal morality, I think. Every culture has its own mores or things that are acceptable or unacceptable, But generally speaking, there's certain things that I think uh, all cultures can uh, agree upon morally. Then there's things that I consider more arbitrary. Um, There are things in and of themselves that don't really seem inherently morally wrong. Um, They don't exploit or victimize anyone. It's usually just someone's man-made religion says they're wrong. And, uh, to me, gay marriage falls into that column or homosexuality in general, as long as it's between consenting adults, I think people should be able to sleep with whoever they want. I think to me, one of the things that characterizes this, for lack of a better term, this kind of universal morality is that all of us seem to have some understanding that it's wrong to exploit or victimize someone. And that's why, say, uh, Rape, murder, uh, theft, those type of things are wrong. They involve the victimization of another. Whereas two people of the same sex consenting to be with one another, no one's being victimized or exploited. People on the right might try to uh, say that such relationships damage society or something like that. But obviously, uh, that's not the camp I'm in. Now, how the heck did I get on this topic? What was I talking about? I don't even know now. Before this, I was talking about the, uh, about the Ron Reagan commercial and, uh, and the, uh, Freedom From Religion Foundation. Oh, but what I would also put into the arbitrary morality category would be things like, uh, biblical prohibitions against eating shellfish or pork, um, not wearing clothing that's, uh, interwoven from two different fabrics, not practicing sorcery, which I don't even believe exists, um, things like that, not working on the Sabbath, etc. But the fact I can't even remember what I was talking about, uh, how I got onto this subject, is probably a good indication that I've talked long enough about this uh, particular topic, and maybe now I should jump onto the next one. So I have a lengthy clip. Uh, It's actually an excerpt from the most recent episode of Real Time with Bill Maher. I was watching uh, this past Friday... And um, I watch Real Time with Bill Maher, religiously, no pun intended, but I noticed it's kind of been a while since I've really been riveted by an episode. And I knew this was going to be kind of controversial or or might find its way into the news, but I did not know it was going to blow up this big. Bill had Sam Harris and uh, Ben Affleck were both on. And things got a little heated, or a little awkward, or uh, ugly. So if you're listening to this podcast, I'll assume that there's probably a good chance you already know who Sam Harris is. Sam Harris uh, has been referred to as one of the four horsemen of new atheism. <laughs> uh, Richard Dawkins, the late Christopher Hitchens, one of my personal heroes, um, philosopher Daniel Dennett and Sam Harris. Sam Harris is the youngest of the horsemen. Uh, he's an author of a number of successful books like, uh, The End of Faith and Letter to a Christian Nation. Um, he just released a new book. Um, and this is horrible. I can't even remember the name of it. Oh, okay. It's called, uh, it's called Waking Up. Uh, yeah, I just purchased it the other day off of, uh, iTunes or iBooks, uh, to be precise, or the iBook store. Um, And the book, Waking Up, is about how to pursue, quote-unquote, spirituality without religion. Uh, I could do a whole hour show, at least, about that. Uh, Way back, I did a show, I did an episode entitled Atheism and the Transcendent. And uh, it's ba- and basically the gist of that episode and the gist of Sam Harris's book is that there's a range of experience that all of us or at least most of us have that we usually term to be spiritual. Uh, you know, all of us probably have kind of moments of Zen where we kind of let the ego go and just lose ourselves in the present moment. You know, moments of bliss, moments of quote unquote transcendence, moments where we feel one with nature, moments when we feel kind of intoxicated by art, music, poetry, uh, things like that. All things that people might sometimes label spiritual, but could probably just as easily be attributed to the brain, to uh, neurobiological uh, phenomena. And it's one of the things I've always loved about Sam Harris is, uh, I think where a lot of atheists very rarely talk about mysticism or spirituality, um, Sam Harris is also a neuroscientist by the way, but he's someone who's experimented with psychedelic drugs, who's delved really deeply into things like meditation and, uh, Eastern mysticism and things like that. And so I've always liked that uh, about Sam Harris, and, and I think it goes to show that um, religious people don't have a monopoly on those quote-unquote spiritual experiences. The only difference is probably they say those things come from God. We would probably say they come from the brain, Yeah, <laughs> but they're still vital, rich experiences. But anyway, Sam Harris was on there to talk about his new book, and... Ben Affleck was on there. I think he was plugging Gone Girl or whatever. And Ben Affleck's been on uh, real time with Bill Maher a couple of times before. And I know it's a kind of continuing theme that usually when he's on, at some point he'll jump to the defense of religion when, uh, you know, Bill does his uh, usual sarcastic criticism of uh, religion or whatever. And, um, So Bill Maher recently caught some flack for some comments he made about Islam. I forget what the exact comments were. I think it's pretty common for him to criticize Islamic extremists on the show. So I probably didn't think it was a big deal when he made the original comments. It's probably the show before last. But he did catch some flack and author Reza Aslan, who I'm also a fan of, um... I don't know if Reza Aslan believes literally in uh Islam or any other uh religion. I think he w- he was born into a Muslim family, converted to Christianity, and I think he may have converted back to Islam, uh but he's also a he's a biblical scholar. Uh he recently wrote a book. Uh, I still have gone around to finishing it. It's actually a really well-written book. I- I've just kind of been procrastinating, uh, but it's a book called Zealot, and it's Aslan's kind of controversial take on the historical Jesus and how he thinks the historical Jesus might have been more of a kind of zealot, or freedom fighter, or political activist in a way than, than most people uh, traditionally think or assume. But uh, Reza Aslan is actually, uh, coincidentally, he's debated Sam Harris before. You can actually go on YouTube and find uh, Reza Aslan debating Sam Harris. And although I don't think that uh, Reza is a literal believer, I do think he has a love for religion in general, and uh, he often comes to the defense of Islam when he feels that people are being Islamophobic or lumping all of Islam in with uh, radical extremists. So Reza was on CNN last week to talk about Bill Maher's comments, I think, and he ended up getting into a kind of heated debate with uh, Alison Camerata, who I believe used to be on Fox News, now she's on CNN, and Don Lemon. And uh, I actually, I sided with Reza Aslan, and I thought he did a great job of using reason, facts, and statistics to back up his views. And I actually felt like Don Lemon and Alison Camerata actually sounded The way they handled themselves in that interview, at least, sounded more like they belonged on Fox than uh, CNN. But So anyway, while Sam Harris was on the show, Bill Maher decided to bring up the topic of radical Islam and what, if any, systemic kind of flaws there might be in Islam as a whole that maybe tends to breed extremism or fanaticism or that leads to the oppression of uh, women, homosexuals, etc. And Sam Harris has caught some flack for his views on Islam as well. I definitely don't think that Sam Harris is a bigot or anything like that. And I think he explains his points really well. And and I, I think one of the points he brought up is that right off the bat, that he thinks that maybe some liberals kind of have this double standard where it's all right to criticize Christianity. And as an atheist, Sam Harris doesn't have a problem criticizing any religion, and he's criticized Christianity plenty. But I think it's kind of a double standard where, like, um, perhaps people on the left, and I would call myself maybe an independent who leans left. I I lean left uh, pretty hard on social issues like gay marriage, uh, legalization of pot, things like that places that like liberals might criticize Christianity and still bring up things like abortion clinic bombings from the eighties. Um, but if someone applies that same type of critical analysis to Islam, then you're considered, then you're considered Islamophobic or whatever. And, uh, right off the bat, I mean, Ben Affleck was just incredibly kind of hostile rude and condescending. He basically accused Sam Harris and Bill Maher of having views that were quote-unquote gross and racist. He kept interrupting. And even when other panelists, like there was, I think, uh, a kind of liberal columnist was on there and also former uh, GOP chairman Michael Steele was on there. And they were, were both more sympathetic to Ben Affleck's point of view. And even when one of them was talking, Ben Affleck was just like rubbing his face and looked like he was ready to explode like a volcano. And uh, he just came across as very rude and inconsiderate and, uh, and seemed to lack any kind of respect for his fellow panelists, both those on his side of the argument as well as Bill Maher and Sam Harris. And he was being very uh, sarcastic. Like I said, like right off the bat, I think uh, Sam Harris was talking about how he thinks there is that liberal kind of double standard, uh, even though Sam Harris himself is probably uh, liberal on, on a lot of issues. Um, but one thing I love about Sam Harris is that he's his own person. You know, I don't really think he has a certain political affiliation He just uses his reason and calls it like he sees it, and he explains his views in a very thoughtful and calm, uh, even-tempered, well-thought-out way. So if he thinks there's a double standard with liberals, he'll say there's a double standard with liberals, even though he himself is probably liberal in a lot of ways. But maybe uh, Ben Affleck identifies as liberal, and that rubbed him the wrong way from the get-go. And he saw cat. He made a couple of really kind of catty, sarcastic remarks. Um, and when Sam Harris good-naturedly tried to differentiate between um, criticizing a man-made religious doctrine and um, and criticizing someone for their ethnicity or, or their race, and I hate that word race. I think there's only one human race. We're all the same species, you know. But uh, Sam Harris said something along the lines of, there are genuinely people out there who are bigoted against um, Muslims as people. And I think Ben Affleck said something like, oh, that's very big of you, or something sarcastically. But it was awful, and uh, I I thought one of the main flaws in Ben Affleck's thinking was that he did continually equate being critical of Islam as a religion with being racist. And he used this example that it's like if you called someone, and this is this is, uh, and these are his words, not mine, if you called someone a shifty Jew or something like that. And just recently on the show, I've talked about some of the ugly uh, anti-Semitic stereotypes that have uh, arisen through the ages and how we've seen that kind of culminate in what may very well be the worst atrocity in human history, the, um, the Holocaust perpetrated by Nazi Germany in World War II. You know, I talked about those kind of grotesque caricatures you would see in Nazi propaganda posters and things like that. But Judaism is is, is interesting. I think uh, in a way, Judaism as a religion is so interwoven with Jewish ethnicity that it's hard to separate the two. You could call someone ethnically Jewish, and you could also say they're Jewish by religion. Of course, you can convert to Judaism, but for the most part, Judaism is the religion of a specific ethnic group. But I think the difference is a lot of atheists and people who are critical of religion uh, will often criticize The Old Testament, which is essentially the Hebrew Bible, they'll criticize the Torah. To me, you can criticize the Torah without being anti-Semitic. You know, you you can say, I find the flood story morally offensive. I find uh, stories of genocide in the Bible offensive. I find legal prescriptions about, uh, killing unruly children or, um, stoning women to death for adultery offensive and if you're listening and you're a believer and you think uh, some of the examples i'm using are far-fetched or exaggerated um i would check out leviticus check out numbers for yourselves there's things in there about when it's all right to stone people um there's plenty of things in there about when people should be killed for witchcraft or sorcery when people should be killed uh for adultery when people should be killed for disrespecting their parents, etc. And there's a lot of nasty violence in the Old Testament, too, whether we're talking about um, the treatment of the Midianites, the Amalekites, um, all the morally offensive violence that takes place in the book of Joshua. But obviously, as I've said before, though, you can name almost any religion. If I'm familiar with it, I, I can find aspects about it that I like. And of course, there are bits of the Bible that are also inspirational dare I say beautiful um that contain kind of moral truths but there's a lot of ugly stuff in there too I think it's the same with the Quran and I've read some surahs on the show not that long ago when I I did a couple of different episodes uh one was about Islam and slavery and another I did recently was about whether or not Islam uh The Quran uh, specifically condones uh, beheading, and that was in response to all the recent stories about uh, the terrorist uh, beheadings perpetrated by the militant group ISIS uh, that have been in the news of late. And just like the Bible, there's contradictions in the Quran. There's parts that really shine and offer examples of humanity and wisdom and mercy. And then there's parts that seem archaic and barbaric. So it's a mixed bag. I think, obviously, it's, to me, it's an easy answer why religious texts are morally mixed bags. It's because they're man-made. And So back on the... Uh, man, am I digressing uh, a lot today. But anyway, back on the topic of that episode of Real Time with Bill Maher. And it's not that I don't think that Ben Affleck might have had a kind of kernel of a valid point. Um, I do think that sometimes certain atheists can demonize religion too much, and that um, I mean, two of my favorite people, Sam Harris and Richard Dawkins, sometimes they may come off to some people as if they have a chip on their shoulder, uh, specifically uh, again, especially against islam and maybe when you listen to them talk it does sound like they're not just holding extremists accountable but they're holding islam as a faith accountable for the uh extremist violence that we see in the news as well as things like the uh you know the oppression of uh women and homosexuals um and personally i might agree with a lot that they have to say Um, I think there's some ground to stand on in that regard, because like I just said, um, there might be some good things in the Quran, in the Bible, some inspirational things, uh, glimpses of humanity and wisdom, um, but there is also a lot of barbarism, kind of outdated prescriptions for draconian or heavy-handed jurisprudence. Uh, or various forms of capital punishment, etc. So for those who do want to perpetrate violence, they probably wouldn't have a hard time finding um, verses or surahs to uh, try to justify their actions. But it gets, in fairness, it gets really complicated, because you can take that one part of the Quran that speaks about striking the necks of the enemy or the infidels, and um, killing all those who won't convert. And uh, you might think that sounds pretty damning. But at the same time, there's scholars who say that's in reference to a specific battle. I believe it's the Battle of Badr, B-A-D-R. And so those might have been extreme measures that were meant to be resorted to in one specific military battle. And, and to me, from the beginning of this podcast, the way I've always kind of tried to differentiate myself from some more perhaps uh, traditional or stereotypical atheists is that I'm less personally concerned, uh, and perhaps it's selfish in a way, um, less personally concerned with what evils religion may or may not cause socially or globally or... How much of an impetus is religion for things like war and oppression, extremist violence, and how much of that is just good old human tribalism? To me, I think I've always been more preoccupied personally with trying to get to the truth of whether or not the claims of religion are true or not. Uh, Is there an afterlife? Is there a God? I've always been haunted by those big questions. But personally, my pet cause has never really been trying to uh, go after religion for whatever it may or may not have to do with the world's troubles. And of course, maybe I'm being a little uh, contradictory or hypocritical, because I do often cover stories on this show uh, that have to do with religious hypocrisy or that offend me uh, morally. Maybe stories about like Christian scientists who... Um, not scientists who happen to be Christian, but Christian scientists, (laughs) people who believe that it's sinful to uh, resort to modern medicine and that you, if you have a terminally ill child or something like that, you should simply pray for them to get better, even if they're dying right before your eyes and they can be saved by modern (laughs) medicine. Yeah, So I do often try to uh, point out religious hypocrisy or point out instances where religious beliefs uh prove harmful but i've never been really invested in the uh, criticism of islam as much as say like richard dawkins or uh sam harris and things get even more complicated when as a lot of people have pointed out uh, you know, not all islamic nations are created equal figuratively speaking some islamic nations are more conservative than others, uh, some are more secular. Turkey is known as being a relatively secular country, whereas uh, Saudi Arabia is known for being more religious and having far more extreme uh, legal penalties for offenses that go against uh, the faith, so to speak. And we've all heard awful stories about uh, people being beheaded, whipped in public, uh, etc. for for offenses against Islam uh, in Saudi Arabia. And some people will say things like clitoridectomies, you know, female genital mutilation, that that's an Islamic practice. But as Reza Aslan was talking about, it seems to be more of an African practice or more of a cultural thing than a religious thing and he point out that there's even african christian societies non is uh non-muslim societies that practice female genital mutilation and the one hand there are muslim countries where women are really oppressed where you you can't drive um, you can't be seen with a male in public who isn't uh, a close relative um, where we find honor killings and that. And that's another thing, supposedly honor killings, that's kind of a point of contention. Are honor killings Islamic or are honor killings um, cultural? And that's another thing I think Reza Aslan, as well as Jenk Uger from the Young Turks, who have talked about that honor killings in some cultures could actually predate the, that culture's conversion to Islam and be these kind of cultural artifacts, and, and not necessarily uh, specifically Islamic. But then, as I was glad to hear Jank Uger admit, but these things are kind of interwoven. So, let's say, yeah, um, female genital mutilation might not be specifically Muslim. Um, honor killings might not be specifically Muslim. But if you have... Uh, a culture that has a strict fundamentalist adoption or interpretation of Islam, they're probably going to use that interpretation or or use Islam to continue to justify those barbaric uh, acts or traditions. So it gets really messy and complicated how much of some of the barbaric and backwards behavior we see in certain Islamic countries is the product of religion and how much is simply uh, cultural and predates Islam. So here, maybe even I sound like an apologist of sorts. And I know I probably sound like I'm going back and forth. That's because I'm trying to figure all this out myself. But I think one good point that I've heard uh, atheists and secularists make is that is that we do see this kind of double standard or what I would call, a, and this is a term I recently learned, we see people behaving uh, as kind of reflexive apologists. You know, I know what a, I knew what an apologist is. I, knew, I know what reflexive uh, means, but I, I like that term, uh, reflexive apologist. And that's someone who basically has this knee-jerk reaction where they feel the need to defend this group they have pathos for or whatever without open-mindedly listening to the criticism first. And I think that's what Ben Affleck was doing during that real-time appearance. He barely let Sam Harris talk. He was being incredibly rude. And it was as if he had this uh, knee-jerk response to um, defend Islam um, without even really even trying to digest what Sam Harris was saying or or to give consideration to uh, what I thought were some really rational and cogent points made by Harris. But as I was saying, I do think that some atheists make a good point. I think it's generally considered more acceptable to, say, be critical of Christianity. And you look like you just have a problem with the uh, tenets of the faith or certain parts of christian religious doctrine but if you criticize islam then it's as if you're considered a bigot even if you're just trying to make a logical critique as what you might see as its perceived failings or where maybe it needs reform or something like that um And in fairness Sam Harris, he repeatedly tried to say, you know, make a distinction between being bigoted against an ethnic or racial group and being critical of a religious doctrine. And I love that at one point where Sam Harris tries to very intelligently make that point, I think. Ben Affleck doesn't have anything to say, so he's just rude, and he says something about, "Oh, I hear a lot of talk" or something like, that. I'm "Like yeah, you're on a sh- you're on a talk show, <laughs> you're supposed to talk." The whole point of the show is people expressing their opinions, um, and someone makes a logical, well reasoned point, and you don't have a comeback for it, so you just insult them and be sarcastic and catty, and, and also it's not like Sam Harris was calling for the end of Islam. A couple of times he spoke about how he thought Islam needs moderate reformers. So he's not saying we should get rid of Islam. He's saying that we probably need some kind of reformation to help get rid of the more extremist elements or some of the more harsher draconian aspects of Islamic law or something like that. I think that maybe one of the reasons why I'm running around in circles is is because Maybe I'm somewhere in the middle. I kind of get the point that both sides are trying to make. But obviously, admittedly, I'm more in the Sam Harris camp. I think we need to be free to criticize religion, any religion, um, without fear of being called bigots, because obviously there's a world of difference between criticizing someone for their quote unquote race or ethnicity, a world of difference between that and criticizing religion. It's not as if Sam Harris or Bill Maher were criticizing someone for their racial characteristics or the color of their skin or something like that. Um, They're criticizing a doctrine or a belief system that they believe can be toxic or harmful at times. At the same time, in a bizarre way, I kind of think Ben Affleck's intentions were maybe noble. He wanted to make sure that people weren't, that a whole group wasn't being unduly vilified, and I can respect that. But he should have expressed himself in a more amiable, even-tempered, and rational way. And I mean... Maybe it's easy for me to say that. I've never been on uh, live television. And I'm sure whenever people go on live TV or live radio, they probably look back and think of all sorts of things that they could have said or done differently. But I thought, personally, he came off looking like such an impolite jackass that it's not like I was a huge Ben Affleck fan before. I really didn't have much of an opinion of him. I think I saw him in... uh, was he in Clark's? Was Ben Affleck in Clark's? Or maybe it was Clark's too. I know he's friends with Kevin Smith. I can't even I know I saw Clark's back in the day, but uh Goodwill Hunting, of course. I mean, there was a couple of Ben Affleck movies I liked, um, but I didn't really have a, a real opinion of him either way. But I was so offended by the way he handled himself in this interview. He just seemed so disrespectful of both people on his side of the argument and on the other side of the argument, and he came off as being rude and entitled. That was like, I don't want to ever watch a Ben Affleck movie again. That might sound a little harsh or or extreme, but I'm just like, why would I want to sit down and watch a movie or pay to watch a movie starring someone who who kind of uh, rubs me the wrong way or who I don't think is capable of handling themselves in a polite manner, or at least in that moment they didn't handle themselves in a polite manner. I think uh, Reza Aslan does a much, in fairness, Reza Aslan's a, uh, a religious scholar, but he does a much better job of defending Islam. And, and he has also been on uh, Real Time with Bill Maher a few times. It would have been great if someone like Reza Aslan was on the show. Then it still might have got a little heated, but at least we would have a rational and intelligent discourse instead of this weird kind of ugly and awkward display that we ended up with. But enough about that. I've I've probably rambled on so much that you feel like you don't even need to listen to the interview anymore. But I think I've said all I can about the clip, so now I'll actually play it. All right, here we go. And just to remind you again, it is kind of lengthy. It's like nine or 10 minutes. Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. So the other thing we want to talk about, of course, is that you and I have been trying to make the case, I think, I have anyway, that liberals need to stand up for liberal principles. This is what I said on last week's show. Obviously, I got a lot of hate for it. But all I'm saying is that liberal principles, like freedom of speech, freedom to practice any religion you want without fear of violence, Mm. freedom to leave a religion, equality for women Uh, Equality for minorities, including homosexuals. These are liberal principles that liberals applaud for. But then when you say, in the Muslim world, this is what's lacking, then they get upset.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, liberals uh, have really failed on the topic of theocracy. They'll they'll criticize white theocracy. They'll criticize Christians. (laughs) They'll still get agitated over the abortion clinic bombing that happened in 1984. But when, when you want to talk about the treatment of women and homosexuals and free thinkers and, and public intellectuals in the Muslim world, uh, I would argue that li- liberals have failed us. And uh, the crucial point of confusion, uh, yeah, well, thank you. Please. Thank God you're here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, the crucial point of confusion is that, that we have been sold this meme of Islamophobia, where every criticism of the doctrine of Islam gets conflated with bigotry. Toward Muslims as people, right? And that is, uh, it's, it's intellectually ridiculous. Even if it gets So to hold play on. With are breaks. you the
3: person who understands the officially codified doctrine of Islam?
2: You're uh, the interpreter well, of that, well, so well, you can say, "Well, I, this I'm is." A, I think actually, any, I'm actually well educated on this topic. I'm, I, I'm
3: asking you. So I mean, you're if you, saying if I criticize, the, you're saying that Islamophobia is not a real thing. That if you're critical of something, it, well, it's not a real
2: thing when we do it, right? Well, <laughs> well no, it no, really no. is. I'm not denying not, that that certain people are bigoted against Muslims as people, that's, right. And that's a problem. Big of you, but the but why we have, are you we so hostile to, about this? It's, it's
3: gross. It's racist. It's, it's not. It's but it's so not. It's so it's like saying and those so stateless, stateless, shifty Jew. You're not listening Absolutely to not. what well, we are saying. You guys are saying but, if you want to be liberals, believe in liberal principles right. like freedom of speech, like right. um, you know we are endowed by our uh, forefathers with an inalienable right, like all men are created equal. No, evil.
2: Ben, we have to be
3: able to criticize bad
2: ideas. And of course we do. Islam, no liberal doesn't okay, okay. want to criticize bad. Okay. ideas. But Islam but why at this when moment when, is the mother load of bad ideas. Jesus. So we have we have ideas like blasphemy. Oh. It is it's a, an ugly apostasy. Thing. It is one a, basic liberal well, let me tolerance. Let, yeah, me, exactly. let me
4: unpack it. But not it for, it for intolerance. No, of course it's not. F- but the picture you're painting is, to some extent, true, but is hugely incomplete. It is certainly true that plenty of fanatics and jihadis are Muslim. But the people who are standing up to them, Malala. Uh, Incredible Muhammad Ali uh, Dadak in in Iran, in prison for nine years for speaking up for Christians. Uh, A friend that I had in Pakistan who was shot this year, uh, Rashid Rahman, for defending. People accused of apostasy. Okay, no, Or how about no, the more than a billion those, people those who are aren't Muslims fanatical,
3: too. who don't punch well, women, who just want to go to the store... Okay, wait a second. Wait a second. Don't a second. do any of the things but that you're saying all Muslims. Okay, I, I, wait I, I, a second. No, no, Stereotyping. Wait a second. Wait a second. And you're painting the whole religion with that No, no.
1: Let's get down to who has the right answer here. A billion people, you say. All these billion people don't hold any of these... five or something. Don't hold these pernicious beliefs? No, I wouldn't. They don't. That's just not true, Ben. That's just not yeah. true. Can I, can I just express me. how Many I think ideas. it breaks down? The, in terms the, the, I, of I, the of idea the, you yeah. haven't even the, the you're, you're trying to say that these few people—that's all the problem—is these few bad apples. The idea that someone should be killed if they leave mu- the that's Islamic, horrible. That should, okay. wait wait. That, that but wait, you're saying the that the idea that Islam. someone should be killed if they leave the Islamic religion is just a few bad apples.
3: The people who would actually believe in an act that you murder somebody if they ask yes, Islam yeah. is not the majority of Muslims at all okay, okay is but it, let me
2: let me you, break this you, down for you, okay, we have as, you that, as you say we have 1.5 1.6 billion mm-hmm. Muslims now Second biggest religion in the world a quarter well Ben now, let me let me unpack let me unpack this for you please do um, I've been waiting we have uh, uh, been uh, a, there just up. imagine some concentric circles here you have at the center you have jihadists these are people who wake up in the morning wanting to kill apostates, wanting to, to die trying. They believe in paradise, they, Horrible they, they bad believe people in, in, that, yeah. in martyrdom. Outside of them, we have Islamists. These are, these are people who are just as convinced of martyrdom and paradise and, and wanting to, to foist their religion on the rest of humanity, but they want to work within the system. They're not going to blow themselves up on a bus. They want to change governments. They want to use democracy against itself. That, it, that those two circles, arguably are 20% of the muslim world. Okay, this is this is not the what fringe are you basing of the fringe. That research on? A, p- a bunch of poll results that we can talk about. So uh, to, to give you one point of contact, 78% of british muslims think that the danish cartoonists should have been prosecuted. 78%. So I'm being conservative when I roll this back to 20%. But outside of that circle, you have conservative muslims who are, can, can, write, can honestly look at ISIS and say, that, that does not represent us, we're, that we're horrified by that, but they hold views about human rights and about women and about homosexuals that are deeply troubling. So, so they, these are not Islamists, they're not jihadists, but they... But they Indeed, they're, those they're, views they're, they're are an divine. to But they also keep women and homosexuals immiserated in these cultures, and we have to empower the true reformers in the Muslim world yeah. to, to change it and, oh, what, and but, lying about the the, the link yeah. oh, between okay. doctrine and, and, and behavior then, is not yeah. going to do that. I mean, but the, the
4: great divide, um, the great divide, <laughs> is not between <laughs> or, or, Islam and the rest. It's right. rather
2: between the fundamentalists right. and the moderates in each faith. Okay, but we're misled to think that the fundamentalists are the fringe. Okay, we have jihadists, That's Islamists, and point. conservatives. Well, and by the so way, you're this hundreds you're saying that the that the the
5: The strongest voices are coming from those who are jihadists and extremists, and that that represents a bigger piece of the pie than we often think is true. There's no question. Okay, so having said that, and and even if that is true statistically or otherwise, the key thing to recognize that I don't think is part of the argument, but I think should be, is that there are voices that are oftentimes uh, raised uh, in opposition to these jihadists and to these extreme acts. But guess what? They don't get covered. They don't get exposed. And they're not given the same well, level of pla- oh, one reason, same level of platform um, that we see the One reason get. they don't get exposed is
1: because they're afraid to speak out. Because and that's it's the some, only oh. it's the, because it's the that's only it. religion that acts like the mafia that will fucking kill you. That, if you say the wrong true. thing, I mean, draw the wrong picture, or mm-hmm. write the wrong book, so you do yeah, have, and that's this, there's you a want, reason why Ayman Hirsi Ali needs bodyguards 24 seven. You do have that
5: element of fear as well, but you also have other braver souls out there who do speak out and who like like who are risking their lives to do like the the Muslim clerics and others, in from Australia to to Europe to the United States, just recently. Publicly put their names on paper declare declaring their opposition to what isis and, and others yeah, are doing we need, we So need there are those that. voices, but where was the coverage? Yeah. Where was where was that story to sort well, of create a different okay, but, picture? Well, what, but, is but, what is your solution? What is your answer? to just the, condemn the the Islam? Solu- the solution is very much we've killed more
3: thing. Muslims than they've killed no, us by an awful lot We've invaded more Muslims than they've killed an awful lot And yet somehow we're exempted from these things because they're not really a reflection of what we believe in We did by accident. That's why we invaded and put okay, four you're, you're we're not convincing anybody. It's not because <laughs> okay. I'm specifically okay. telling you that I disagree uh, with what I, you think. I know. And, and we're
1: obviously not convincing I don't anybody of if you don't understand my argument. You know, well, your well, argument is like, you know, black people, you know, they show no, no, That is No, it's not. No, it's not. It's based That's on it. facts. I can show you a pew of Egyptians. They are not outliers in the Muslim world that say like 90% of them believe death is the appropriate response to leaving the religion. If 90% of Brazilians thought that death was the appropriate response to leaving Catholicism, you
3: would think it was a bigger deal. I would think it's a big deal no matter what. Okay, but that's exactly. the fact. You don't. But what I would <laughs> do is say it's all Brazilians, or I wouldn't say, well, Ted Bundy did this. Goddamn, these gays Brazilian. are all
2: trying to eat each other, you know? Yeah, okay, let me just give you what you want. There are hundreds of millions of Muslims who are nominal Muslims, who don't take the faith seriously, who don't want to kill apostates, who are horrified by mm-hmm. ISIS, and we need to defend these people prop them up and let them reform. That, dude, you're talking, I ISIS, think, ISIS couldn't fill right. a double-A
3: ballpark in Charleston, West Virginia, and you are making a career but no, no. out of about ISIS, Jihad, ISIS, ISIS, no, 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 ISIS. No, 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 It's not
2: just ISIS. It's, it's op- all jihadists. It's global. It's a phenomenon it's of a, global, global jihadists. I, I think yeah. that's the opposite. There,
3: yeah, there, there is those things. There's ISIS. There's global jihadists. The question is the degree to which you're willing to say, because I've witnessed this behavior, which we all object to on the part of these people, I'm willing to... Flatly condemn not, those not, of you I not don't not know and have never met. No, this it's is not based on re- people. It's yeah, ideas and, got to make and, it and people who believe in those yes, ideas. So it's
1: based on reality. Ben, based based on on we're not action. making it up. That there is l- that in the
4: Muslim world, it is mainstream belief. But this Ma- is such a caricature of it Indonesia, is, of Malaysia, of okay, so a minute. much of the world and this does have the tinge a little bit of the way white racists talk about african americans and define blacks by but what you're
1: saying is because they are a minority are we shouldn't make we shouldn't we shouldn't criticize That's not, that much of a minority The like second biggest religion in the world exactly but they're but you're treating them like a minority but, i mean if filipinos were capturing teenagers and sending them into white slavery we would criticize that we wouldn't say you well would the you criticize filipinos. the people
3: who are doing it not the philippines
0: So there you have it, kind of uh, tense, kind of heated, right? And one thing I realized while I was listening back to the audio is that Affleck doesn't seem nearly as bad without the visuals. You don't get the added effect of his aggressive body language, stressed out, gratuitous face rubbing, etc. I don't even know if I'm supposed to do this, but I uploaded a video version to the Week in Doubt YouTube channel. And you can get there either by going to YouTube and searching for the Week in Doubt, or you can also go to the Week in Doubt Facebook page and I posted a link there. And wow, I've been at it for almost an hour now, and man, I'm getting tired. So I think I'll call this episode a wrap. I hope you guys enjoyed that real-time clip. Definitely food for thought. And you guys know the drill. You can like the show on Facebook. You can follow the show on Twitter. You can check out the Week in Doubt YouTube channel. You can listen on Stitcher. You can subscribe to the show through iTunes. You can uh, rate the show, too. You can also review the show on iTunes. And if you do, I'll be more than happy to read your review on the air. I love it when listeners... Uh, reach out and let me know what they think. Also, you can check out the archives at Podbean. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. That's uh, the service I use to host the podcast feed. And it's also where what passes for the Weekend Doubt site is for now. So you can go to Podbean, look for The Weekend Doubt. You can check out the most recent episodes as well as the archives. If you're feeling generous, you can donate to the show using the PayPal widget, as little as 99 cents. That helps me with the costs of uh, hosting the feed and all that. And I believe you can also support the show through Patreon. So with all that being said, uh, thanks for listening as always and until next week.